0: Hello and welcome to this is modern rock. I'm Will Westerkow, and I'm joined today by Lail Alderman. Hello, is that right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, okay, cool. nicely done.
0: Yeah, Lail, <laughs> um, you're a musician. Yes. You're currently in a band called The Loved.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've been playing around Portland for just over three years now. All right. Yeah, and I've been playing in Portland since '97 is when I moved here. Really? So yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of different bands and a solo artist as well. Nice.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm curious about the name, the Loved, because I my first response was like, "Oh, that feels it's like such a nice, warm, right. cuddly kind of name." And then I thought, "Well, is it past
1: tense? Is it
0: <laughs> so I, I was, but now? Yeah.
1: Well, I had a I had a band way back in the day that was called Leo Leroy and the Loved, and it sounds more like a soul blues band than it was. Yeah. I couldn't use my name because of some record deal stuff that I had working out, and so Leroy is my middle name. So Leo Leroy and the Loved, we were and that band broke up but i always just liked the name the mm-hmm. Loved, and i couldn't believe that three years ago when i googled it nobody had taken it yet it just seems like a really simple name yeah um there was a band in australia maybe 10 years ago that put an album out on her but you okay know. so yeah i just wanted a really simple name and I me and the guys just kind of settled on that it felt a little bit like the heartbreakers you know, yeah the Loved, I yeah i like that yeah
0: but if you go to Australia, you'll have to be the loved U.S. Is that uh, that, how that might works? be the
1: case? Yeah, they, they might be, you know, opening up for crowded house if they ever get back together. So yeah. Maybe, yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. And uh, the loved just released a new album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's called Blue. It's our first full length album. We had an EP out before that too. Yeah.
0: All right. Is that going okay? You've been touring on that thing, or uh,
1: you know, I'm just gonna be honest. Touring's hard these days. It's hard to pull that thing together. So yeah. I mean, Spotify, you don't get paid anything, but I think of it as, you know, the new radio. You don't really get paid for that at all either. So, right. uh, you know, it kind of spreads word far and wide. And and I just like playing shows around town. That's mainly what it is for me. Sure. Be, being able to write what I hope is a good tune and play it live. People mm-hmm. enjoy that. Yeah. So, you know, got to play out all a bunch of different towns when I was... Younger and so that kind of that feeds it. But I'd like to get out of town a little bit more. But yeah, those road trips now. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you're doing the love now. You've done solo work. Uh, mm-hmm. You were in a band called the Bella Phase yeah. before that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I read something that you had been picked up by Geffen way back in the day. Is that?
1: Yeah, that was back in way back in the day. Now, yeah, not, uh, like 20 years ago, 97, 98. Oh, Do yeah. you mind talking about that a little bit? No, what? no. Um, I was living in Eugene, Oregon, with a bunch of really good friends of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, and we still all played music around town with each other. But um, I was able to play a couple coffee houses in Eugene. And some people saw me. And my buddy, his name was Ezra Holbrook. He had a deal with Capital and decided to him and a buddy to record a six-song EP of mine. And back when there was record labels right. picking out deals in yeah, the late yeah. 90s. And it worked its way through all that. And so I was able to... Uh, to sign with Geffen, which was amazing because there were so many artists I loved on that label. Right. And, you know, then you kind of enter the the machine that everybody tells you about and it took a long time to find a producer for a record and then by the time we'd found a producer and then I was really excited to work with, who was it? It was like the nephew of the Seagram's family, Fortune, came and bought Universal and Universal swallowed up Geffen Records. Uh So, 250 artists they had and, 240 were dropped in a single day and wow. they kept, you know, of course they kept like the County crows and Weezer and, right. uh, you know, so then I was just back as being an independent artist that never got to release that major label record, but I did get all the money to buy gear yeah. and, and I had a van. And I mean, I came out of it way better than a lot of other people I know. So sure. it was a really crazy, interesting, fun experience, but, um, but you didn't get that record out mm. of the end of it, you know? Right. And so since then I've just been recording independently and, mm-hmm. Putting out, you know, I probably put out uh, ten to a dozen records over the last twenty years on my own and with friends.
0: Great. Yeah. Cool. So coming into June 1990, Mm -hmm. it's been crazy on the charts. We've had a new number one artist for three or four weeks in a row. No one can seem to hang on there. Yeah. And can we say who those few were? Yeah. Let me pull it up real fast. Yeah, that'd be good to know. Yeah. So in May. Sinead O'Connor was on top with The Emperor's New Clothes, Oh, as wow. well as Midnight Oil with Forgotten Years. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. And The Sundays with Here's Where the Story oh, Ends. Oh, gosh.
1: Wow. Those are three heavy hitters. Sure.
0: But coming into June, we've got a new number one on top, and it is Depeche Mode. Yeah. This is their third single from Violator, mm-hmm. and it's their second consecutive number one on the modern charts, oh, modern wow. rock charts.
1: Was Enjoy the Silence, the one before, before that?
0: It, it was, yeah. Yeah. So Violator is their seventh studio album, and this is their big, super commercial breakthrough, especially in the United States. Um, This was a really, really big deal for them. It was their first to hit the top 10 in the U.S. It was a number two album in the U.K., uh, and it eventually went triple platinum here in the U.S. Yeah. Did you own that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I own
1: that on tape Uh and then CD. And now i own it on vinyl so yeah i love that and i just saw them for the first time live when they came through that last time yeah that was not too long ago. it was a very dark concert
0: really yeah (laughs) you mean like lighting wise or like the mood
1: it was just mood it was dark yeah and i I have to hand it to them they committed and they the first seven songs that show were from their last two records Mm -hmm. they weren't giving anybody any of the hits that's tough yeah and then when they cranked them out you know they did a couple but then they would play Mm -hmm. a new song uh, they weren't giving you a greatest hit show,
0: right? I mean, I understand why an artist would want to do that, but yeah. as a fan, come on, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There was a couple of songs that I that we didn't we didn't get to hear, but you know they played "Policy of Truth." That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one.
0: Yeah. So "Violator" was co-produced by Flood, and Flood's kind of a big deal as yeah. a producer, and he was recently on these charts as well because he produced Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Hate Machine oh, right. along with Trent Reznor, okay. which we just heard a few episodes back. All right, yeah. That was a great record. Yeah. Policy of Truth hit number one on the modern rock charts. It also hit number 15 on the Hot 100, making it the only Depeche Mode single to ever chart higher in the U.S. and in the U.K. And, um, hmm, I don't know. I think, that's, I think that's a good intro for the song. Why don't we just listen to it and...
1: Yeah, it's got a killer,
0: see what we think. killer yeah. riff in there. That's yeah, okay, all right, here we go. Policy of Truth. It's too late to change.
1: imagine how long it would take to make one of these songs
0: yeah i know
1: it's all that all the layers and loops and
0: i know every time i try to do something like that that's not just you know grab a guitar yeah like noodling around on the computer it's like there's too many choices there's too many buttons and <laughs> options for sounds I, yeah. don't, I don't know what to pick oh
1: yeah man you get lost that is yeah. for sure i dig how the songs just got that kind of a slow groove really not a fast tune yeah yeah the production on that song is just so ridiculous there's just so many layers that yeah i mean it that record and music for the masses too every time i listen to that album a song or two will grab me and i'll have not heard a part in there you know mm-hmm. especially yeah, like we're listening to him now in headphones right there's like a little guitar part that came in on the bridge that i don't know if i've ever heard that before you know it's just it's pretty wild yeah Where dave gahan i mean his voice it still sounded amazing live when i saw them earlier this year and you know, and the harmonies he has with Martin Gore, just they still hold up. They still sound great. Yeah. They're haunting, you know, that weird, that their harmonies are.
0: I right. Think. And I was noticing that with this song, it sounds haunting and there's something emotional about it. And yet the way he sings seems very dispassionate, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And almost formal. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because he's saying again, never again. again. It yeah. makes it seem <laughs> extra formal. A little
1: proper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, he's always kind of had that, kind of like a separated delivery, even mm-hmm. when he's singing about masters and servants or whatever. Right. It's uh, He's kind of detached a little bit. That's the word I was looking for. It's like, it, he has a definite style that, that is his. Yeah. It's kind of cold almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, the first Depeche Mode I got was their early singles, so I don't, mm-hmm. 81 to 85, something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah. It's much poppier stuff oh, yeah. for the most part. And so then when I got their second, like their, their next block of singles, and mm. it was more moody, it was more like policy of truth, yeah. um, it was a little shocking to me. It took me a little little longer to get into. It was gloomy. Yeah. It was darker.
1: Yeah, my old man, he was really bummed out when I got into Depeche Mode. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. What's going on here, man? I thought you were listening to the Beatles and, uh, you know, the Stones. And yeah. What's this Depeche Mode? Oh, yeah. Try um, some CCR, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Smiths are coming next, Dad. So just hold <laughs> <head> on. Yeah. <laughs> get the cure after that. You're gonna get yep. really worried. Yeah, it's like what happened to your to the, to the to your rock and roll.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess one thing we should we should mention um, whenever I picture this era of Depeche Mode. Yeah. I You know, you have to think of their videos. You think of their oh, their yeah. publicity photos, and um, they brought anton corbin in at this point right and he's a music video director and a photographer
1: he did a bunch of octune baby stuff right? Yeah. For yeah yeah
0: so he was actually brought in on joshua tree to help oh, sculpt youtube's okay. image and make them seem cooler yeah and it really worked it definitely worked and yeah. depeche mode said i think they said like yeah let's do that for us too and wow. so they did the same trick brought him in and now i mean i can't think of depeche mode without thinking of his work
1: yeah that that's pretty wild i mean i never i never knew that fact actually but now that I sit here and think about it for two seconds, visually, it's very similar right. kind of vibe, and I love it. It's
0: Black and white photography yeah. a lot of
1: the time. Even if it's colored, it's like blurred mm-hmm. um, and super vibrant. Yeah. Uh, blues and reds and things like that. Yeah, it's definitely a distinctive style. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, one more, one more fun fact. This band appears in the video game The Sims 2. Oh, You ever play The Sims?
1: I never have, uh, but I know of it, yeah
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so The Sims 2 opened for business I guess that's the name of it Okay, <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> And uh, in addition to being characters in the game They recorded a new version of their song Suffer Well in Simlish Which is a fake language Spoken by all the characters in the game Wow,
1: I wonder which guy in the band was into that I know <laughs>
0: <laughs> One of them had to be, right? One of Yo, them yeah. was like super for big Sims fans sure. Like, guys, yeah. let's be in this game Yeah, This is the best game <laughs>
1: Whatever you say, man. Yeah. Just write us one more hit. Yeah. It must have probably was Martin Gore. Probably that, he,
0: that guy loves the Sims. Yeah. You can tell.
1: <laughs> exactly. I bet he does.
0: Yeah. You know it's funny to me about that though is I feel like there was a time when if if a band did something like that, it'd be yeah. like sell out. Oh these right. guys yeah. like we hate them. They're a bunch of sellouts. Yeah. Now like that's what you do. Right? You get your songs in commercials, yeah. as many as possible. You put your songs in video games, like yeah, these
1: weird little things that help pay for.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean you got to pay for something cuz no one's no one's buying albums.
1: No, it's true. Yeah. Unless you're touring, I don't think you're making any money. Yeah. You know. I I feel like it's the biggest holdover from grunge was this era that you you didn't have to care about what you did mm-hmm. and if you did anything that put any money in your pocket as a result of your music, you were a sellout. Right. I always liked it Lars Aldrich from Metallica. He said, "That's right, I'm a sellout. I sell out New York, I sell out Los Angeles, I sell out Chicago." Yeah. <laughs> like to make music or any art is a noble profession and it's hard to make a living at it. So, you know, as long as you're not selling anything too weird or you're not like the theme song for the NRA, it's like, you know, why not? Why not get a little bit more bread for you, you know? Yeah. Sell some Chevy trucks. Yeah. Work for Bob Seger. Yeah. Yeah. That being said. Yeah.
0: It is kind of weird seeing a band that I really love, you know, (laughs) in a a car commercial. It is. I get,
1: I get, I totally get you. Yeah. Yeah. And it can totally ruin a song, you know, it's like, I'm trying to think of some song that's near and dear to my heart. If I saw it selling tires, that would kind of bum me out. You know? Yeah, but
0: yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's not quite the same thing as a commercial. But I know in, um, gosh, what was that? Big Love, maybe their theme mm-hmm. song was uh, "God Only Knows."
1: Is oh, that right? I don't yeah. know. I didn't see that show. Okay, but yeah, yeah, uh, that would be a bummer though yeah that it's was a kind of a twisted story too, it's kind
0: right? of a it's kind of kind of weird i mean yeah. just like a song you really love and you're like yeah. oh now it's the theme song for a tv show yeah okay it takes Bring.
1: away some of the special shine.
0: yeah that's for sure yeah. yeah depeche mode love them they only managed to stay on top for
1: one week that's Th- it that's the theme right here one week on top do you know how about enjoy the silence was that on for longer yeah three weeks okay three weeks Oh, then, they, then Policy of Truth was just a couple weeks later. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, sometimes it happens, though, if a song is a really big mainstream success, yeah. then the modern rock stations just go like, nah, you can listen to that on pop radio. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, they kind of stopped playing. There's been some really weird songs where I'm like, this is an incredible song. Why did it only hit number five? I was like, oh, because yeah. it was number one on the pop charts.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never would have thought of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after one week, Policy of Truth was displaced by a band called World Party. Oh, yeah. And World Party is Carl Wallinger. Yeah. He was formerly of the Waterboys. And he left that band in 1986 to pursue a solo career as World Party. Kind of a strange thing. The Waterboys, just this previous year, 1989, they were on the modern rock charts with a song called World Party. Oh, really? Yeah. And I've been trying to figure out what that's about. And I I found nothing. I have no idea. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I wonder if it was... About a bad split or making fun or I don't know. Yeah,
0: but I don't know either. That's interesting.
1: But Wild, I, huh?
0: Maybe they're just like, World Party. Oh, Carl, that's a good name. Let's, <laughs> let's <laughs> I write a song. borrow that, right? <laughs> yeah. Publicity for both of us. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, we're going to hear a song called Way Down Now.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing them play this on Saturday Night Live. Really? Yeah, and I said, who's this? And then I kind of went backwards mm-hmm. from from this tune. Because I think they had one or two albums before this, maybe? Yeah. They had a tune called Ship of Fools that was kind of bigger before this and then i really got into they had like two albums after this jumbo
0: this is this is good by jumbo this is good by jumbo okay Mm -hmm. yeah so i
1: got into this record and then ah man bang is the next one or something like that but yeah he's an interesting character
0: yeah that's for sure yeah way down now it's gonna spend five weeks on top at number one really yeah wow i know surprising
1: yeah it really is it's It's a good tune it's a good tune but which we'll we'll hear but uh (laughs)
0: Uh, take our word for it. For yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it is weird that there's you know these big bands. Depeche Mode is huge. Yeah, one week on top, and then this other band, which you know, not so well known.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it in a movie or something? Or not that I'm aware of, but yeah.
0: you know, it could have been. There's yeah, always some
1: cultural thing happening. Sure. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, really did it for him. Put him over the top.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Carl Wallinger, he had helped out Sinead O'Connor on her debut album. Mm. And she returned the favor by appearing on his first two albums, including this one, 1990's Goodbye Jumbo. And Goodbye Jumbo was selected by Q Magazine as their 1990 Album of the Year. It was also nominated for a Grammy for the Best Alternative Music Album in the first year that category existed. (laughs) And it lost out to Sinead O'Connor. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: With Uh, uh, I I Do Not Want What I... Dude, yeah not, mm-hmm. that's a long <laughs> one mm-hmm. i do not want what i haven't got that's yes. what it is yeah it's a great album yeah it was also up against kate bush oh the sensual world yeah and the replacements all shook down well let's just listen to the song yeah let's do that uh way down now by world party
1: inside my tbi never stopped to wonder why gotta be at least 10 or 15 years since i've heard that song yeah yeah holds up it does hold up i heard different things you know like we were talking about the production Mm -hmm. caught me with the separated vocals and i like the build out of it was a long bridge i like the build out of that thing that was good but i'm just gonna have to say again like five weeks wow that's crazy right yeah good song though
0: yeah i like the song yeah yeah you know, I think this is totally intentional, but the first time I heard this, and I guess even now, it sounds to me like it's very Stones-influenced. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I could definitely picture Mick Jagger singing this. Yeah. Um, you know, not, well, I mean, there's that. and Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> woo, yeah. Uh, which, according to whosampled.com, uh, yeah. that is a sample oh. from Sympathy for the Devil. Uh, oh. But, I, I mean, I don't know if that's actually true or not. Yeah. So, according to some website this song samples, the yeah. Rolling Stones.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty wild that it, it, it is very Stonesy. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's like an alternative rock 1990 yeah. version of the Stones. Yeah, right? yeah. but I mean, even yeah. like the pianos, like the keys in there yeah. Um, and yeah, his delivery.
1: Yeah, um, that was always his style too was kind of uh, as much the Stones as the Beatles, but always getting very close to that sound. I mean, mm-hmm. that was his to the throwback kind of thing as, as you could. Yeah. yeah. You know, but there's some other tracks on that album that aren't that way at all but
0: you know i noticed that i was listening to the album somewhat recently Mm -hmm. and um there's a lot of stuff that's kind of in this vein i think maybe a little more down tempo for the most part but then there's like i don't know three or four tracks that sound like he's trying to do a prince
1: impression maybe interesting yeah yeah yeah. ones that you kind of skip through yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: all right well since world party stays at number one for the rest of the month we have to go a little bit okay deeper down on the charts The next band we're going to listen to is called The Pretenders. Oh, I might have heard of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have a fascinating history. Yeah. Uh, I always assumed that they were an American band because I always heard that Chrissy Hine, the lead singer, was from Akron, Ohio, Mm -hmm. but they are a UK band. Yeah. How that came about is that she moved to London in 1973. Okay. Um, She... Immersed herself in the music scene over there. And at some point, I guess the authorities said, Well, you got to get out of our country because you're not a citizen. Yeah. And so she apparently tried to convince both Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols mm. to marry her. Wow. So that yeah. she could stay in the country. Yeah. That didn't work out. Mm-hmm. She got shipped back to the US. Yeah. And then when the punk scene starts exploding in the UK, she goes back over again. <laughs> Uh, she tries to get started in a number of bands. She was briefly in The Damned, or what became oh. The Damned, before getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. She tried to start a band with Mick Jones of The Clash. Yeah. And that didn't work out. Persistent. Persistent, yeah. yeah. Um, but eventually she finds some great players, Yeah, puts together The Pretenders, and they turn out just a stellar debut album. Yeah. It's a classic. I mean, so many great songs on there. Brass in Pocket, yeah. Kid. Yeah. It is a great record. Stop Your Sobbing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, precious. Yeah, because
1: it's like, you know brass and pocket is just such a sassy tune, you know and she just owns it and i mean instantly that record just that album kind of formed her as somebody to watch yep i mean now that i hear the whole history well no wonder she appeared to come out fully formed out of nowhere right she'd been doing it forever
0: yeah i didn't mention but earlier uh, when she was in akron she was briefly in a band with mark Mothersbaugh from devo (laughs) yeah yeah wow okay yeah it's amazing that's crazy Anyway, this their first album is, is tremendous, very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on to put out a bunch of other albums. But by 1983, two of her band members died, and they died yeah. within a year of each other. Yeah. And she had to, I guess, pick up the pieces, find some new people to play with. Mm-hmm. So by 1990, the Pretenders are putting out their fifth studio album, and... This is essentially a solo album under the Pretender's name. It's a okay. bunch of session musicians with Chrissy Hynde. Yeah. And the album is called "Packed" <laughs> <laughs> With an exclamation point. That's
1: great Okay, I don't really know this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not one of their better albums. Mm-hmm. It does feature Johnny Marr.
1: Oh, really? Uh, former guitarist of the Smiths, yeah.
0: though, on one song.
1: Oh, yeah. So that's how I knew that she'd been around for a while, because her and Morrissey were house and there's yeah. lots of pictures i see with them right and so i knew she had to be embedded in the scene pretty yeah detailed, and i
0: think i think she if i'm remembering correctly i think she was a vegetarian and right. i think she did a lot of work with pita mm-hmm. and i think that's something that she and morrissey probably bonded over
1: yeah that makes perfect sense yeah. yeah and
0: actually when i um i just saw morrissey this last halloween
1: yeah i was at that show too yeah. okay yeah, yeah. so yeah. he he thanked her if you remember oh, really we well, played well i left you're talking oh. about the Mita's murder uh, bit. Mm, I, just I just gotta you? walk. Oh you no, know, I just yeah. walk out now. I've yeah. just, I've seen Morrissey a few times, and uh, you know, I can take the glares and stares from the h- hardcore fans. I'm not sticking around to watch Mita's murder again. Oh my god! But yeah. you know, well, I'd been warned
0: about that, but I know. wasn't prepared for the police brutality video. Oh yeah. Plus I, the Mita's murder. It was just a
1: one-two, <laughs> oh. and that was the end of the show. And then he came back in an encore, but like what is
0: yeah wow what a way to end your evening yeah but he played a pretender song and it was a big one yeah and um, you know he said like this one's by my dear friend Chrissy Mm -hmm. you know something like that yeah yeah so so, um, yeah we're gonna hear a song called never do that come and this hit number five on the modern rock charts all right so here we
1: go never do that I guarantee this sounded better on her acoustic guitar. Yeah, when she wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a bet.
0: <laughs> yeah, then she brought in her session musicians. I screwed it up. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's an interesting tune. I mean, um, not really. No. But I some mean, interesting it was decisions it was, made in it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I thought that song was fine. I yeah. kind of felt like she was. I don't want to say phoning it in, but maybe her her heart wasn't
1: in it all yeah. the way. Yeah, I don't know. There's like a Morrissey's album, yeah. which was out around the same time, maybe very similar. Like there's one great song on there and the rest was just kind of, yeah, I need to make a record right now. So I can go out on the road and play play some of my hits. Yeah.
0: Well, the first thing I thought of when I heard the song, Mm -hmm. it to me just sounds like a total rewrite of back on the chain gang. Mm -hmm. I could, I could sing that song straight over most parts of the song. Yeah. Yeah. And even kind of the hook where she gets to the never do that. Right. Yeah. It's
1: like, It's just timed perfectly with Back on the Chain, gang. Mm -hmm. You know? Exactly. I mean, she's had a career that's kind of been long enough where she's gone through a couple arcs, you know? Right. So sometimes you just got to be along for the ride. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I
0: don't don't know if you caught it, but um, it wasn't too many years ago. She released an album that was, I think, produced by Dan Auerbach of uh, Black Keys. And uh, I heard a song or two. They were pretty good.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that guy's got away with production. Mm -hmm. He even has, has a solo record that came out this last year that I thought was. Was pretty good. It yeah, was fun. You know, I like the black keys. I like their production a lot too. Yeah, so. and he
0: did a nice job with what I heard of Lana Del Rey. He did some. He did oh album yeah. for her. That's right. Sounded good.
1: Yeah, I'd actually be willing to go check that Chrissy Hines record out with with him. Yep, yeah. I'll help to hunt that down.
0: Yeah, check it out. Thanks for the tip. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're getting to the uh, point of the show where we listen to the final song. We'll okay. Dig a little bit deeper in the charts. Yeah. Uh, I had a few options. We can talk real briefly about. What peaked this month? Okay, John Doe. He's doing a solo thing oh. away from X right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, he's got a song. Bunch of bands I never heard of. Yeah, so throw them at me. Who are Yeah, they? <laughs> yeah. Sidewinders. O positive. You know any of these guys?
1: Uh, I've heard about positive. I couldn't tell you. Steve Wynn.
0: not Steve Winwood. Right, just Steve Wynn. Yeah, just Steve Wynn. Uh, His cousin. Ultra vivid scene.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What song's that? Uh, Staring at the sun. Oh yeah. You know that one? Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard it for 20 years. It's a years. number
0: 25 hit. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: <that's>, yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons I haven't heard it for 20 years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, one song that we're, we're not going to listen to today, though, mm. uh, is Social Distortions' Ball and Chain. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to mention that because when I was listening to Alternative Radio in like the early mid-90s, yeah. that song was still getting played on my local station as if it was a new song. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. They love that one. Yeah. So
0: somehow, even though it was a only a number 13 Mm -hmm. modern rock hit back in 1990 uh, that one had legs.
1: Yeah. And, uh, sadly the drummer passed away this week too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He just passed away. Don't know his story really so much, but that is a hell of a tune. It's lasted when the day it came out, it seemed like it'd been out there for 30 years Mm -hmm. and you'd heard it. I mean, now it literally has been out for 30 years, but it still sounds just as fresh.
0: Yeah, so we're going to look at a song today that hit number 11 on the charts, and this is by an artist named Julie Cruz, Mm -hmm. and the song's called Falling. Hmm. Now, Julie Cruz is most well-known for working with David Lynch, so film director David Lynch. This song, Falling, is from Julie Cruz's debut album, Floating Into the Night, Mm -hmm. and all of the lyrics to the entire album are written by David Lynch. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. This song "Falling" is most well known as the theme song to Twin Peaks. Okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except you know on the show it's an instrumental version. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's the same song. Oh. Okay. And interesting. Um, this song was strangely successful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so number eleven on the modern rock charts. I'm sure this was assisted by the popularity of Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. Especially amongst like a, a college crowd. Right. Because right. this was the summer it was on. Right. Yeah. But bizarrely this song went to number one in Australia Wow a number one hit in Australia Australia not that I'm aware of
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. you have to sell like 25,000 copies to be gold down there that's
0: true but I mean there were a lot of big Australian bands like right at this time yeah so the fact that that went to number one means she was beating out midnight oil and in excess yeah all right let's go ahead and listen to falling by Julie Cruz
1: It was cool to hear that song, the change, the lift of the ah, oh. yeah. And so that was interesting. I can't believe it made it to number 11. I, I'm shocked number one in Australia. too.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's barely a song, but right, it's
1: you know, <laughs> where's, yeah, where's the beat? Where's the bridge? No, it's true. I mean, it's got to be all due to the fact that there's that intro and like oh it's twin peaks and yeah super vibey you know
0: right obviously people who are big fans of twin peaks are going to hear this and immediately go like oh all these good memories of twin peaks are rushing into my head and right i'm making these connections it's kind of like i'll be there for
1: you off Uh, of friends it's kind of get the same feeling (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly like that
0: yeah (laughs) i mean it definitely it definitely has its own mood yeah you know it's yeah, it's got this feeling it conveys very well.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what we were just talking about earlier. I mean, it's like the vibe of Two Twins. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing. Sure. Where, you know, what is she saying? I don't know. It's just more of a feeling than anything. You
0: right. Know, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing you want to describe as ethereal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, I hear the song, and i it's not something I want to listen to. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm not going to reach for this and put this on. No. Um, that being said... I tried to bring this up to some friends of mine, kind of like, what's up with this weird song that's on the charts and, you know, did really well and it's barely a song, kind yeah. of. And they are, like, two different people I brought this up to. Oh, yeah, I've got that album. It's great. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, everyone I walk up to, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> the Julie Cruz. Yeah, you don't have that album? You don't have that album? It's Amazing. a seminal album,
1: man. Yeah. You gotta have that. Yeah. For when you need to feel like you're <laughs> floating through space. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I could see it getting a lot of uh, freshmen in college through through some tough nights, maybe or something like <laughs> sure. that. I don't sure. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah the but nine...
0: those friends of mine are bigger Twin Peaks fans than I am. Yeah, well, so. that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so coming back, yeah, it was four songs, modern rock charts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Some know.
1: some new to me. Which yeah, is some fun. That, some that I loved. Yeah.
0: Any uh, Anything you notice about what's going on in 1990?
1: No. I mean, this is, again, that's kind of when I was starting to get tuned into stuff. And so that Depeche Mode one, that one really, really speaks to me because that's like where I started going. And uh, I'm kind of curious. I'll, I'll have to keep checking in because I'm curious where the charts end up mm-hmm. a year from now. Yeah. I could see your list and where they were coming from. That seems to make more sense to me. But then you start hearing the Pretenders and World Party and... Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you're still about a year and a half away from Nirvana coming around. And so I'm curious about how that may blow up the charts and things like that a little bit. But
0: you know, spoiler alert, but it doesn't in the way you would expect it to. Like 91 sounds like this stuff. It's all like Morrissey and you know, electronic and like whatever. And then Nirvana and Chili Peppers, like right at the tail end. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, 1992, this is gonna be it. And it's just like, all right, here's Morrissey again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And U2 keeps going, Depeche Mode keeps going, like yeah. all of those bands. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe some Peter Gabriel creeps back mm, in. Hell,
0: oh, yeah, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, Us comes up. Yeah, that's a great record. Mm-hmm. There was actually just a, a show that was in town last week where a bunch of musicians got together and they recreated that last Peter Gabriel tour. Yeah. I mean, to the set, to the, vo- it was amazing. I never got to see Peter Gabriel, but it was, it was pretty rough. They're called the Real World Collective. Mm. It was very cool. They did it at Revolution Hall down here. Cool.
0: Yeah there's a lot of stuff going on and I just stopped paying attention because it would just make me sad. I'm like, there's this band and I just can't because <laughs> I'm tired. And <laughs> I can't do anything about that right yeah, now. So yeah. I'm done. You guys
1: come <laughs> back in four years. <laughs> I'll, I swear I'll catch up with you then. Yeah. It'll happen. You will. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well let's, uh, let's wrap things up then. Yeah.
0: This was June 1990. If anybody wants to get in contact with me, they can reach me at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Lail Alderman
1: for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And if anyone Uh, wants to catch your band, they can hear or buy your album on Bandcamp. Yes. And uh, you playing shows?
1: Uh, Yeah. You know, we're playing, sticking pretty much around Portland for through the summer and things like that. But we'll be out every couple of months, every six, eight weeks, we pop out. Okay.
0: So uh, you could check out The Loved's. Facebook page. Yeah, for, for yeah. Yep. The
1: loved music is what it's under and same with at Bandcamp. The okay. Loved Music.
0: Yeah. yeah. And presumably you'll do updates for shows in on there? there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's where we post them up. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.